Good morning, everybody. Um, I'd encourage you to turn to Matthew chapter 4 as we continue um, in the book of Matthew, where we'll be for the next several months, what we're calling the grace agenda, seeing how the uh, gospel agenda of Christ changes everything for us. Um, And this is certainly good news on a Palm Sunday as we enter the Easter week and uh, celebrate the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And so uh, as you turn to Matthew chapter 4, let me pray and we'll dive into the scriptures this morning. Father God, we do thank you that you are a good and holy God. And Lord, that you have extended your grace uh, to your people throughout generations, Lord. Uh, God, as we gather this morning, uh, bringing ourselves uh, before you, uh, God, much has gone on this week in the lives of so many people, Lord. We have celebrated... um, Hardship we have celebrated through uh, the passing of uh, a church member. We have celebrated um, the uh, life that you have given us with um, our church family and friends. And Lord, as we are looking forward to uh, this week as we celebrate uh, the death and resurrection of Christ by whom we have forgiveness and, and life anew, Lord, I pray that now you would Uh, quiet our hearts and minds from the distractions of our world around us, Lord, and that we would hear a word from you through your word, God, that you would stir up our minds, attention, and hearts' affection to you. Uh, God, I pray that we would encounter your grace afresh this morning. Uh, Lord, that we would um, be unhindered and unencumbered by the burdens and sins and stressors uh, that are around us, Lord, that we would lean in on your goodness and grace this morning. God, that we would encounter you by your spirit through your word, Lord, that you would change us and shape us to be more like your son, Jesus. Lord, that we would leave this place with renewed joy and life. God, we ask that you would do this through uh, your word, by your spirit this morning, for your glory and our joy, and that the gospel of Christ would advance to the nations. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Matthew chapter 4, uh, we are looking um, at just a couple verses today, starting in verse 23. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria. And they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. This is God's word for us. Friends, Jesus proclaimed and demonstrated the grace of God. And this changes everything for us. St. Francis of Assisi was quoted as saying, preach always and when necessary use words. And that sounds like a catchy quote, but in reality, he probably didn't say it. And it's kind of not really a good representation of the gospel. I've used that quote a lot, and maybe you have too. And it comes from a place in our hearts where we often pit one thing against another, gospel proclamation, and then the demonstration of the gospel. Often we pit those two things together, saying, well, preach always, and when necessary, use words. And so sometimes we pit action and demonstrating of the gospel at the expense of proclaiming the gospel. Other times we flip it on its head and we'll value proclaiming the gospel, preaching and teaching, but we don't really value the actions that back it up. Do you find yourself anywhere in that 
equation? Or have you seen that maybe somewhere in your life? Maybe you were very involved with a ministry that was very action-oriented, doing great things for the gospel in the name of Christ, but there really wasn't a lot of proclamation of the gospel or teaching to undergird it. Or maybe on the other side, you were involved with ministry or have seen ministry that was very good at proclaiming the gospel, very good at teaching important biblical truths and doctrine, but maybe there wasn't a lot of action to, to display that. I think it's very common if you pause and look around and, and the, the ministries around us, even temptation to do so in the ministry that we're currently involved in at Redemption Church. Maybe your personal life leans to one or the other. Maybe it's easy to say, you know what, I, I really value proclamation and teaching and preaching, but I just I don't really feel like getting my hands dirty. Or maybe you're like, you know, I could do without all the Bible thumping. Let's just go out and do something. You see, it's a very sad misnomer when we pit proclamation and demonstration against each other, thinking that one is more valuable than the other or that we can do one at the expense of the other. And that's why I think when we see the quote from St. Francis, preach always and when necessary use words, he, he actually probably didn't say that. And it is not really a representation of what the gospel is. Because the gospel, by definition is good news that is proclaimed. You can't not proclaim good news. The gospel, by definition, is good news that is proclaimed and whose message evokes a demonstrated response. By definition, that's the gospel. So you can't have the gospel without proclamation and you can't have the gospel without demonstration. The gospel is both proclamation and demonstration of the, God, of the good news, the grace of God. That is what the gospel is by definition. It is the proclamation and demonstration of good news. It's the good news that is proclaimed and whose message evokes demonstration. And today is just one of many examples in God's word that we see how Jesus did both. Jesus did not set foot on the earth just to preach on the street corner with a megaphone. Jesus did not enter the world and say, well, I'm just not going to say anything. I'm just going to do a bunch of good things. But rather, Jesus, God incarnate, perfect man, lived the perfect life we should live but can't died a death as our atonement on a cross, rose again from the dead, proclaiming and demonstrating victory over Satan, sin, and death. That's what we celebrate this week. And here we see in this passage today that Jesus proclaimed and demonstrated the grace of God to a broken world. And that changes everything for us, both now and for eternity, and also patterns how we are to live in the meantime. We're going to see a couple things. First, we're going to see how Jesus did it. Look at verse 23. And he, that's Jesus, went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. First, I want us to see that Jesus proclaimed and demonstrated the gospel. See, Jesus proclaimed the gospel by teaching and preaching. That's what he did. He taught and proclaimed the gospel. Preaching, that's what proclamation is in this text. Uh, proclaiming is preaching. It is, it is announcing 
good news. And he taught. See, he was teaching in their synagogues. The synagogue was a place for learning the scriptures and learning how to apply the scriptures in the first century uh, Jewish context. It was a place where God's people would gather. They would come together and have the word of God taught. And not only just for their minds, but taught how to apply it to their lives, how to live life according to God's scriptures. To teach means to direct, to admonish. And we see throughout the Gospels, if you read any of the four Gospels, anytime you see Jesus teaching, you see that he is affirming what is in the Old Testament. Jesus was, was uh, there's uh, scriptural accounts of Jesus quoting Deuteronomy, of Jesus reading from Isaiah. In the book of Luke, he's reading from the scroll of Isaiah. We see that Jesus time and time again was uh, teaching the truths of the Old Testament and helping people learn to apply it to their lives. And even in this text here, it says he was teaching in their synagogues. We see in Luke 24, 44, at the end of Jesus' uh, ministry, He's meeting with his disciples, and he says, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Bear in mind, at that point, the New Testament hadn't been written yet. Jesus was, was helping his disciples understand how all of the Old Testament prophets, psalms, and, and law was to point to him, to Christ. That's what Jesus taught. See, Jesus proclaimed the gospel by teaching, but he also preached the gospel. It's announcing. That's really the, the word to proclaim, to herald. Verse 23 says he was teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. See, Proclaiming can mean like a military victory. In the first century, you've got to remember that, that much of the world and, and this part of the world was, was occupied by the Roman Empire. And, and so if Caesar were, were to, uh, if he was to have some military victory, it would be very common for him to walk into a city and, and proclaim, I am Caesar, I am Lord of this area, we have conquered this land over here, and now we are bringing the bounty of that conquest to you. And that is good news. Here, have some bread because we, we conquered the fields over here. Here, have some meat that we got from over here. Here, have all of this that we conquered from over this area. It is good news because I am Caesar. I have conquered this area. And now, here you go. It's a very, very secular word to proclaim, to announce, to herald some good news for the kingdom. That's what Caesar did. Now, Jesus does the same thing here. He is teaching in the synagogues, and then he is announcing the good news for his kingdom, saying, I am the Lord Christ. I am the one who, through whom, by uh, whom, and, and, and for whom everything has been created. I am the one coming in to conquer Satan, sin, and death. My kingdom is expanding, and this is good news for you. See, when Jesus taught, he helped people understand how the Old Testament was leading to him. When he proclaimed news of his kingdom, he was announcing his identity, who he was. He was announcing his victory. He was announcing his expanded kingdom. Are you with me? So we can look at that and say, yeah, it's pretty easy, Jeremy. It says, Jesus was teaching in the synagogue and proclaiming the gospel of God. Jeff Vanderstelt You'll hear more about this guy if you haven't already. He's a great pastor and author, and I'm rereading a book that um, was given to me last year. I read it, and I'm rereading it right now, a book called Saturate. I encourage you to read this book. 
In the book Saturate, Jeff Vanderstelt says this, Jesus didn't just proclaim the good news, he lived a good news life, showing what God's rule and reign looks like when God breaks into the normal stuff of everyday life. You see, Jesus didn't just teach the good news, he lived a life demonstrating what that looks like. And I know you're probably thinking, well, well, well that's Jesus, right? Hang with me. We're going to see how Jesus is not only our Lord and Savior and Rescuer, but he's also the example of whom we pattern our lives after because we are disciples. We'll get to that in a second. I'm jumping ahead. Welcome to church. So Jesus taught and proclaimed the good news, but also he lived a good news life that patterned what God's rule and reign looked like when God comes into the everyday part of life. So Jesus demonstrated by service. You see, verse 23 says he was teaching in the synagogues, he was proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Now, you're probably thinking, well, 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 wait, I'm not medical, I don't know how to heal stuff. I mean, Jesus was God, he was doing miraculous things. That word for healing really means to minister and to serve. He, He was ministering to, he was serving the needs of the people. He was attending to very tangible needs. You see, Jesus' actions affirm what he was proclaiming. If Jesus walks into a synagogue and says, here's the Old Testament law, prophets, and psalms, and this is how it points to me, he's teaching how the scriptures apply to people's lives and how that points to Jesus. And then he's announcing the good news of his kingdom, saying, hey, this is my identity, this is who I am, this is what I'm doing to expand my kingdom, and this is how I'm coming to rescue you, and that's good news. Jesus is teaching and proclaiming the gospel, but then he demonstrates it and says, look, this is how life looks when God's reign and rule comes to town. This is what it looks like. I'm going to minister to you. I'm going to attend to your very tangible, physical needs. In in Jesus' day, there were numerous people that were sick. There were numerous people that were hungry. And we see time and time again that Jesus' miracles were not only to display that he is God doing amazing things, but also to display of what his kingdom looks like. That Jesus King and Lord bringing restoration and redemption to a broken situation means that dead people come back to life. That blind people see physically and spiritually. That deaf people hear. That hungry people are fed. That people find their sustenance and life not in the tangible work of their hands that they can grab and attain on their own, but in leaning in and trusting on Jesus. So when scripture says that he was healing every disease and every affliction, the word is minister to serve. Jesus was serving people. He is a servant who came to wash the dirty feet of sinners. He is a servant who came to feed hungry people, thousands of people, most of whom didn't even follow him after he fed them. Jesus proclaims the gospel by teaching and preaching. Jesus demonstrates the gospel by acts of service. It's also not only to affirm what is proclaimed and to affirm his identity and authority, but it's a foreshadowing of what's to come. It's a foreshadowing of when God's kingdom is fully realized through Christ in heaven and on earth for all eternity, it's going to look much different than it is now. So I want us to pause for a minute Because we're going to see what happens, how this applies to our lives today. Because sometimes we fall into the trap of preach, 
the gospel and when necessary use words and think, well, let me just go, let me just go do some sort of action to help people. But if you are not serving out of an overflow of the good news, you're just serving, which is okay. But it's not pointing anybody to Jesus. It's not affirming what God's reign and rule looks like. In fact, I'll go so far to say if you were doing demonstration of the gospel without gospel proclamation and teaching, you're probably pointing people to yourself or your nice organization. Which is okay, but it's not what God's called us to do and be as disciples. We'll get there. I'm not a curmudgeon saying, don't do nice things. Just saying, I want to be like Jesus. I want us to be like Jesus. Because look what happens. After Jesus teaches and proclaims and demonstrates the effective grace of God's reign and rule, the result of that proclamation and demonstration is this, verse 24. So his fame spread. Boom, mic drop, Jesus. His fame spread. Jesus' fame spread. Not the disciples' fame who he was traveling with, not uh, necessarily his style or technique, not, the, uh, you know, not where he came from or whatever, not the entourage he brought, his, his fame, his name, his identity, his kingdom expanded. His fame spread throughout all Syria. They brought him all the sick, those who were afflicted with various disease and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them, verse 25. And great crowds followed him. When the gospel is proclaimed and demonstrated, people find out about Jesus and people follow him. That's good news. They follow him. The word follow means to, it's where we get like discipleship. It means to accompany and to imitate. Accompany and imitate. You see, when people followed Jesus, they weren't just like, tagging along, they were actually imitating what they saw. They were starting to proclaim and teach what Jesus was proclaiming and teaching. They were starting to do the actions that Jesus was doing. They were starting to participate in service. When Jesus' fame spreads, people follow. And when people follow, biblically, that means they accompany and imitate. That's community on mission together. That's discipleship. So we look at this and see that true gospel discipleship is to imitate Jesus by proclaiming what he proclaimed, teaching what he teaches, and to do service the way he does service, to demonstrate the gospel the way Jesus demonstrates the gospel. You with me? This is not something we do on our own. This is something that happens when the Holy Spirit infuses our hearts with the grace of the gospel and ignites within us a true biblical passion to worship Jesus, to spread his fame by imitation, by accompanying Jesus on his work, his mission, and proclaiming and teaching what he proclaims and teaches and demonstrating the way he demonstrates. This is what propels people to get on a plane and go to Uganda. This is what propels believers to get up in the morning and parent their children. This is what propels Christians to roll out of their nice comfy king bed on a Monday morning and get a second cup of coffee and get down to the office and work. This is what will propel 
gospel teachers to go to schools tomorrow and teach a bunch of teenagers, bless your souls. You see, what you do matters. Your life matters when you go to work, when you live in your neighborhood, when you have a cookout with your neighbor or you help your neighbor mow the lawn or whatever. If you do those things understanding that as a disciple you are following Jesus, you are proclaiming and teaching and demonstrating the same way Jesus did so that his fame will spread, so that his kingdom will expand and so that other people may follow, that they will accompany and imitate to be a community on mission. That's why we're here. That excites me greatly. I want us to back up a couple verses because I want to connect some dots. Okay, If you looked back a few verses to last week, we had a friend, Mitch Schultz, preach from this text. Verse 19 of chapter 4 is, is Jesus is calling his first disciples, a couple of brothers, some fishermen who were probably smelly and foul-mouthed, and they're awesome. I'm very thankful that God called them. It gives me great hope to follow him. Verse 19, he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus says, follow me, accompany me, and imitate me. Be my disciple, and I will make you disciple makers. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They followed him, and then we see the next set of verses where we are today. Jesus teaches, proclaims, demonstrates the gospel. Great crowds follow him. Making the connections? When Jesus says follow to the first disciples, the next set of verses, they witness him proclaiming and teaching and demonstrating the gospel. And then great crowds start to follow. And then as people accompany, they imitate the Christ who has saved them. They imitate the one who they are following. That's what disciple means. Discipleship is to accompany and imitate the one that you are following. And that is good news. This is, the Jesus's, this is the pattern of Jesus' life and ministry throughout the Gospels. In fact, we see if you follow the track of the Gospels all through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you get to the very end of Jesus' uh, ministry on earth. The Palm Sunday passage in John twelve twelve says this, The next day, this is years after the passage we're in today, The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast, heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, and they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. You see, Jesus' life and ministry was pointing to the fact that he was the King, the Lord Christ. As Jesus went to the cross demonstrating the gospel that he had been demonstrating, teaching, and proclaiming for years, even from the cross, the demonstration was there of the gospel, and then the proclamation comes, it is finished, right? Demonstration, proclamation. Jesus comes back from the grave, commissions his disciples, saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He's proclaiming he's announcing the good news of the kingdom. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, make disciples of all nations. He says, hey, go tell others, imitate me by making disciples. Go tell others so that my fame will spread, disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them, huh? 
Jesus says, hey, you're going to be my disciple? You're going to be a disciple maker. Just like he said to Peter and Andrew, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now he's making that proclamation through the Great Commission that applies to us, the good news of, hey, all authority on the heaven and earth has been given to me. Saying, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's announcing the identity of Christ as King. Teaching them. Pretty self-explanatory. Jesus is teaching. He's saying, teach to observe. That means imitate all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You see it? Gospel proclamation, gospel demonstration through Jesus's life and then he commissions his disciples if you were a disciple of Jesus you are to follow the great commission and proclamation and demonstration this is the pattern of the early Christian church we see in Acts 242 they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching right and fellowship it's a community on mission together the breaking of the bread and the prayers and awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles And all who believed were together and had things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Hmm? Demonstrating the effects of the gospel. Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Praising God, the fame of the Lord, and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. People were following Exciting stuff, right? So, so what, what does this mean for us? Right? We're entering Easter week, and we're going to have Easter egg hunts and candy. What does this mean for you and I? Because I want us to back up and really take an assessment of, of where you see your role in the proclamation and demonstration of the gospel. Because I get it. You may be thinking, you know what, Jeremy? I don't, I don't want to be a preacher. I, I, don't think, I think God has called most of us not to be preachers. I I fully believe that. But there's a role for you as a man or a woman, husband or wife, a teacher, a medical student, whatever role you have, there's a role for you to, to proclaim, to announce the Lordship of Christ, to announce that he has all authority in heaven and on earth. There's a role for you to do that doesn't mean that you grab a megaphone and stand on the corner, but it, it does mean that maybe you go to work tomorrow and one-on-one help apply that good news to the life of somebody through, through proclamation and through teaching, right? Here at Redemption, we say that we are to lead people to Jesus to lead people to Jesus. We want to make disciples that make disciples. We want to announce the fame of the Lord so that people will follow and in discipleship together and community on mission together, we are imitating the one who we accompany, who we follow. We are imitating Jesus by teaching, proclaiming, and demonstration. This is why we gather on Sundays to, to, under the word of the Lord, we sing the truths of Scripture, we proclaim the truth of Scripture from the Bible. This is why we gather in missional communities and DNA groups that are biblically centered and grace-saturated and community-driven. This is why we have solid friendships. This is why we engage culture. This is why we have acts of service is to do both proclamation and demonstration. I was listening to a podcast um, not too long ago of, uh, it was an interview with an actress named Maria Bello and um, she was mentored by um, a priest up north 
named Father Ray Jackson, Jackson and she, the actress was, was trying to find a way of, of how to serve and give back to her community and she didn't really know what to do and, and, and the priest said, you serve best by doing the things you love most. You serve best by doing the things you love most. Now, let me be clear. When you follow Christ and, and you engage culture with the gospel, sometimes that involves going to hard places Often that involves doing things that may be uncomfortable. Often that involves maybe stepping outside of your comfort zone to do the things and go to the places maybe that you're not comfortable. Maybe you don't like it. That happens. But you, you start here. Start by doing what you love most. I mean, start with where God has placed you, right? That's where you start the proclamation and demonstration of the gospel, just, you don't have to sell everything right now. You don't have to quit your job right now and hop on a plane and go to the farthest, most dangerous place on the earth. God may call you there, and if he does, by all means, follow him. But one thing that is abundantly clear, God has placed you here now. So start there. Where has God placed you here and now? What is it that you are doing here and now, and how can you find a way to proclaim and demonstrate the gospel here and now? It's possible, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing at this stage in your life. If you were a student, if you're working a job, if you're like, dude, I sit in a cubicle, I'm the only person in my office. It's just me. How do I proclaim and demonstrate the gospel there? I don't know. We'll get creative. There's a way. Because God has saved you as a disciple to be a disciple maker. And that's pretty exciting. So as we reflect on this, I want us to take a few minutes to reflect in your life how Jesus, how you have seen Jesus proclaim and demonstrate the gospel. I want you to reflect and ask yourself personally, how are you participating in the proclamation and demonstration of the gospel? Are you doing one but not the other? Are you saying, you know, I'll just, I'll just tell you, for me, it's really easy for me to get up here and just, just talk, talk, talk about the gospel and then go home and take a nap. And that's, that's easy for me. I'm like, dude, I'll, I'll sit up here and run my mouth all day long and just, I'll get home and just leave me alone. <laughs> but uh, God has reminded me a lot as of late, as I've met some new neighbors, that, hey, man, you, there's, you need to serve to demonstrate this gospel that you run your mouth about constantly, right? So maybe you're on the other end to say, look, dude, I do not like to talk about the gospel. I get really embarrassed when I start talking about Jesus, uh, but I'll be glad to sweep and mop up vomit. Awesome. Let's try to find a way to, to talk about Jesus too. So reflect on how you are participating in the proclamation and demonstration of the gospel in your personal life. And um, join me in repenting and believing the gospel, the good news that Jesus is who he says he is, the good news that following Jesus makes us fishers of men, the good news that Jesus is ruler of heaven and on earth and that he is coming to make all things right as his fame spreads and his rule extends. Um, as we reflect on these things, we're going to have a time of response. And, and I just want to encourage you to continue to uh, meditate and pray and imagine what God can do if a group of believers starts to proclaim and demonstrate the gospel together. Can you imagine what would happen to the city and to the state and to the nation and even to the world if a group of believers is dedicated to making the fame of Jesus known? through
proclamation and demonstration. And as we have that time of response, the worship team will lead us in, in music. We can respond by singing. We can respond by giving. There's a giving basket in the back if you want to uh, worship the Lord through giving back uh, a portion of what you have uh, to, to funding the mission of Christ. Uh, before you, you will see bowls and bread. The bread represents the body of Christ that was broken for us. The wine and juice represents the blood of Christ that was shed for the forgiveness of sin. And so we can celebrate by worshiping Christ, by tearing off the bread and dipping it in the wine or juice to remember who he is and what he's done for us and what that means for us. It's a proclamation of his identity and kingdom, and it's also a proclamation to each other of the new identity we have in Christ. If you're a believer, we invite you to come and participate in that. Um, Also, there will be uh, prayer team members in the back uh, that have orange lanyards, and they'll be in the back corners. If you would like to have someone pray with you and, and help, um, help you navigate kind of the, the gospel application to your life, uh, please see one of those team members, and, and they will be glad to play, pray with you. Um, let me pray. Father God, thank you for who you are and what you've done for us. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to stir up our hearts to know your goodness, your glory, your fame. Lord, I pray that um, as you bring to mind areas where we need to uh, repent of sin and brokenness, if we need to repent of laziness and disobedience, God, I pray that that would be motivated not out of guilt and fear, but God, rather, it would be motivated by, by grace and joy. God, that we would see your goodness and glory, that we would see your fame, and that that would ignite within us a passion to follow you as disciples and disciple makers. God, that we would be accompanying you on your Uh, mission of grace, your agenda of grace, and that we would not only accompany you, but but also imitate you through proclamation and demonstration. God, I pray that you would give us uh, great ideas um, of how to proclaim. God, through music, through art, engaging culture, uh, God, through poetry, through writing, through teaching, God, even through preaching, Lord, I pray that you would raise up artists and musicians and um, filmmakers and writers and poets and uh, teachers and even preachers, Uh, God, that you would um, give wisdom with how to announce the kingdom of Christ and his identity. Lord, I pray that you would give us boldness and innovation and ways to serve to demonstrate the gospel. Lord, there's great need in this city, Uh, Lord, in impoverished neighborhoods. And um, God, I pray that we would take very seriously uh, the call to uh, show what pure, undefiled religion is, taking care of widows and orphans in their distress. Uh, So Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to that need and give us boldness to obey and to demonstrate the effects of the gospel and, and taking care of children who maybe do not have parents or taking care of those who... Uh, are, are unmarried, maybe widows uh, who have need. God, for impoverished uh, people, families, and, and God, neighborhoods that are dark places, Lord. Those who, uh, who have been entrapped in, in big uh, elements of sin and brokenness. Uh, God, those who have been uh, deceived into criminal activity and, and are seeking restoration. God, I just pray that you would open our, uh, our eyes and give us great opportunity to go and serve in areas Uh, so that we could demonstrate the beauty of Christ uh, to all of the dark, broken places in the city. God, I pray that you would start in our own lives, our own hearts, our own families, our own neighborhoods. God, that we would bloom where we are planted. And God, that your grace would would ripple out in in such a way. Uh, So Lord, I pray during this time you would stir us up to repentance and belief in the gospel. God, motivated 
not by guilt and fear, but by joy and grace. Lord, I pray that you would do so for the glory of your name and the good of your people and the expansion of your gospel, we ask in Christ's name. Amen.